O Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. You are a great and awesome and glorious God, and there is none like you. Let your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And give us our daily bread today to seek first your kingdom. The daily bread of faith, the daily bread of joy, the daily bread of grace and hope and strength, O oh God. To seek first your kingdom come and our kingdom go. Oh Lord, take us beyond ourselves right now. Remove distractions from every heart and every home that would seek to build our own kingdoms that would seek our ways over your righteousness. Lord, give us faith today to trust you, to follow you, and to seek first your kingdom. Jesus Christ, you are the head of this church. Say what you want said, your church. Thank you for your precious word that you have given us the blueprint of how to live this life to live the life as a true disciple, bearing abiding fruit by your power at work for your glory in us and through us. And so today I pray you would do just that. Bear abiding fruit. Advance your kingdom. Holy Spirit, fill me. Speak through me. Guard my mouth from error and say what needs to be said to the church today. In Jesus Christ, get all the glory. And it is in your awesome name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, church, let's go ahead, open up our Bibles to John chapter 15, the end of John 15. What a chapter this has been. John chapter 15, verses 18 to 27. And the title of this morning's message is kind of ominous, you may find. It is this, opposition will come. Opposition will come come. And I don't know if you've noticed this. I certainly have noticed this, especially over the last number of years. It seems to be accelerating. Um, it's getting harder to live as a Christian, isn't it? It's getting harder to live as a true disciple in the society in which we live. I mean, don't you notice there's, there's an increasing opposition to the truth of God there's an increasing opposition to Jesus Christ and subsequently to those who claim his name. That is, those who are his disciples. And you don't have to look very far to see this. I did some research this week from a ministry called Open Doors, which is a ministry that monitors the opposition and persecution of the church and of believers around the world and what it does is this ministry supports the churches it supports christians that are in need because of opposition and persecution you can check it all out on opendoorca.org and it's a great resource for you can get prayer wraps for knowing how to pray for the persecuted church and there's different resources there around the world is so sobering and man it's something we need to be aware of so check that out opendoorca.org all right and and the one of the most staggering stats i saw in there recently was that uh 340 million let this figure sink in 340 million christians are living in places where they experience high levels of persecution and discrimination. 
We're not talking about something like, oh man, that non-believer stole my parking spot in Walmart. No, no. We're talking about arrest. We're talking about imprisonment and death, attacks on churches. All of it is rising. Why? Simply because they claim the name of Jesus. 340 million. It's the highest in history. And here in Canada, even though we're not at that level of intensity yet, and we thank the Lord for that, but I think that you look around and you would agree that opposition, even here at home, is increasing. You say, what do you mean by that? Well, there's increasing pressure for the church. There's increasing pressure on individual Christians and even on Christian institutions, higher education and otherwise, here in Canada, to conform to the world's values, to the world's agendas and ideologies. And if they don't, if we don't, we face mocking and harassment and rejection. And this can involve, and we've seen this in our country, the loss of jobs simply because someone claims the name of Christ, um, the loss of relationships, and the loss of opportunities that others are afforded who don't claim Jesus' name. And you see, as we see these things going on around us, it's become increasingly clear, and, and COVID-19 has just magnified this. Um, most Christians, including you and I, Let's be honest, most Christians are unprepared to face opposition for their faith. Most Christians, including you and I, here at home, are unprepared to face opposition for our faith. And the result is, instead of standing firm in faith, in love, in hope, and joy, and courage, and in the power of God through the gospel that lives inside of us. Usually, we can face a type of opposition for our faith, or think of facing opposition, and immediately, what are we filled with? Not, not peace from God, but fear and anxiety. What's going to happen? What's it, what's it going to mean? I don't know if I want to do that. I, I don't know. And, and we are so quick to let fear overcome our faith and to compromise and to seek man's approval, man's acceptance over God's glory. And you may hear that, this topic of opposition and persecution and you even right now may be feeling unsettled. You may be feeling fearful. And I want to encourage you right there, loved one. Hear this. Hear this from the authority of God's word, which we will see in a moment. It doesn't have to be this way. You do not have to run in fear. You do not have to be filled with this anxiety. This is not a time for fear, loved ones, okay? This is not a time for fear. Church of God, brother or sister in Jesus Christ, this is not a time for fear. This is a time for faith. Amen? 
I'll say it again. This is not a time for fear. Even though we see all this going on, Jesus says right here in his word, this is not a time for fear, but a time for faith. Why? Because here's the big idea we are going to unpack today. Write this down, bank it, memorize it. Don't forget it. It is this. Jesus promises opposition will come. He promises opposition will come, but notice this, but in him, you can stand firm. Amen? In him, you can stand firm. In him, we as a church can stand firm in the face of increasing opposition. Talk about a timely word under the sovereignty of God for our church today. Amen? All right? And here in the text, Jesus gives two crucial truths that we must believe. We need to ask him daily for faith, moment by moment, to believe these truths right here and to increasingly live them out in his power if we are to stand firm in our faith in the face of opposition and see him through his power draw others to himself and advance his kingdom for his glory no matter what that opposition may be. Amen. Here's some great news today. So let's stand to honor the authority of God's word. John 15, 18 to 27. Let's read it together. The hatred of the world. Verse 18. If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. But all these things they will do to you on account of my name, because they do not know him who sent me. It means they do not know God. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not have been guilty of sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. Whoever hates me hates my father also. If I had not done among them the works that no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they have seen and hated both me and my father. But the word that is written in their law must be fulfilled. They hated me without a cause. But when the Helper comes, whom I will send you from the Father, the Spirit of Truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. What a great promise there, huh? 27. And you also will bear witness because you've been with me from the beginning. Such a timely word for our day, our moment right now. All God's people said, Amen, Amen. You may be seated. Well, when you follow Jesus, right here from the text, opposition will come. When you follow Jesus, opposition will come. Stand firm. Amen, loved one? Stand firm. Don't be surprised and trust him. Stand firm. Don't be surprised and trust him. You see, opposition to Christ. Here's great news today. Opposition to Christ is under the sovereignty of Christ. Is that great news? Opposition to Christ is under the sovereignty of Christ, but will you trust him? 
Will you trust him? Let's get our context. Here we are in the farewell discourse, John 13 up to and including the end of John 17. It's the most um, uh, uninterrupted teaching of Jesus we see in this gospel. And um, Jesus and his disciples are just getting ready to leave the upper Room And Jesus is just hours away from his own arrest. Talk about persecution, huh? His own arrest, trial, and crucifixion. And what's the purpose of this discourse? He's preparing his disciples for his departure. He's preparing to leave them. And what's he doing? He's unpacking and teaching them how to live faithfully on mission for him as his disciples. And it's the same thing for you and I today. He's teaching them hear this, how to finish faithfully, how to finish faithfully to the end for him in all that they are about to face and will increasingly face in the days ahead. And for many of the disciples we see all throughout church history, that included death. And so this John 15 section of the discourse is the heart of it. It's the heart of what it means to be a disciple. And it's so important. Jesus doesn't do random. Amen? And so it's so important to see where this section of text is located within the chapter and what he's done to bring us to this point. All right? How it all flows together. So look at it. John 15. You'll see it on the screen. little summary. First off, in John 15, Jesus gave the call to the disciples. What's the call of the disciples? For them, for you and I and us today, it is to abide. And we see that in verses 4 to 15. To remain in him increasingly in unhindered and unbroken fellowship. Not letting sin uh, stick around in our lives. But as the Spirit illuminates areas of sin in our lives, we're so quick to repent of that, that we would walk in his joy and in obedience and in satisfaction and delight in him, clinging to him, abiding in him. Amen? Moment by moment, bringing him into every single situation through prayer, through the word, through worship, all of it, abide in him. And then from that, as we abide in him, Jesus gave them then not just the call, but then the commission. Here's the overflow of abiding. The commission, verse 16, which was to what? Go and bear spiritual fruit through making disciples. Making dis- disciples, bearing spiritual fruit that abides into eternity. Godly attitudes, godly behaviors, new and maturing disciples. That is gold, silver, and precious stone. Amen? And then thirdly, so we've got Jesus gave them the call to abide. He gave them the commission to go. And now he gives them the cost of following him and the confidence they can have in him. And you and I today. And he tells them what the cost of living on mission for him will be. This is why he says, you need to take up your cross and follow me if you are truly my disciple. And he tells them, gives them the confidence of how they are to stand firm in him in the face of opposition and persecution. Let's read verse 18 to 21. All right, he says, If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you're not of the world, But I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you. A servant is not greater than his master. 
If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. But all these things they will do to you on account of my name, because they do not know him who sent me. See, Jesus starts by telling the disciples and us today the root of all opposition and persecution that will come against them. The root back in the first century and here in the 21st century. All opposition and persecution to Christianity and the body of Christ, the church, individually and corporately, comes down to this. You ready? It's a rejection and hatred of Jesus himself as the Messiah. There's the root of all persecution that ever has been, is happening, or will happen. The root of it all comes down to this, right out of the words of our Savior himself. It is a rejection and hatred of Jesus as the Messiah. And then as we see in verse 19, he says that because he chose them, we'll get to that in a minute, chose them out of the world for salvation, in him... They are his followers, and the world will hate them. Strong words, and it's so easy. Eh? When we read our Bibles, we just kind of, okay, we read this, and then we want to skip on to the next, but, but hear the word of God. This is such a timely word for us today. The world in the context that Jesus is speaking of here, in John 15, he's talking about the religious leaders. But he's got a bigger picture in mind as well. The world there, the Greek means cosmos, which is the world system under the rule of Satan. Remember, Jesus has all authority, but he's given Satan dominion for a time, right? And so he's saying the world will hate you. And he uses the term hate eight times in this text. He's trying to get a point across eight times. And the word hate there, you can circle it, means to detest. To detest Jesus and by extension us as his followers. And this hatred, as he says here, shows that they ultimately don't know God. There's so many people, so many religions claiming to know God these days. But if they reject Jesus Christ and they oppose his body, the church, and they persecute the church, it's showing they truly don't know the true God and they are lost. And they are lost. And if you can recall... In John 13, 16, Jesus repeats that here in verse 20. And he says this. Hey guys, this is sobering news. But I want to tell you this. A servant is not greater than his master. A servant's not greater than his master. If they kept my word, um, that means if they listened to it and believed in it and obeyed it, if they received the gospel, they will keep yours too. All right, and so they'll listen and they'll respond when you give a proclamation of the gospel. If they're listening to me, they're going to listen to you because it's the same message. But if they persecuted me, they will persecute you. There's a promise we don't often bring to mind that they will persecute you. Jesus promises persecution. Now, that word, especially in this season right now, has been thrown around so much. Do you agree? You hear it so much. 
So it's very important we go back to the mouth of Jesus himself and see what he says persecution actually is. All right, the term persecution here in the Greek, it gives the picture of a hunter, hunting prey. You can just picture a hunter, you know, he's got his gun or he's setting the traps and he's stalking his prey. It's a hunter pursuing a prize. And it means to aggressively chase after, aggressively chase or hunt down or systematically harass and oppress a person solely because they claim the name of Jesus. That's what he's talking about here. All right? That the the reason they are being aggressively hunted down is because they claim the name of Jesus. They are his disciples. And Jesus says, when this world hates you, uses the term if there in verse 18, but it's a, the, the Greek structure of the text means when the world hates you. When the world hates you, Jesus says, when the world doesn't love you, when the world isn't friendly towards you, when it doesn't esteem you, and when the world opposes you, here's what he's saying. Hey guys, hey Hope Bible Church Ottawa today, don't take it personally. Notice the text. Don't take it personally. You are not ultimately the target of that persecution, that opposition. I am. I am. Don't take it personally. Remember when Jesus met Paul on the Damascus Road and he said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who was Saul persecuting? The Christians. They're ultimately rejecting Jesus himself. And look at verses 22 to 24. Jesus goes on to say this. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not have been guilty of sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. Whoever hates me hates my father also. If I had not done among them the works that no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they have seen and hated both me and my father. Again, more strong language from our Savior here. Jesus says that if he hadn't come to earth as fully God and fully man. Remember, God took on flesh in the incarnation. right? God revealing himself to the world by taking on flesh. And if Jesus hadn't come as fully God and fully man, and if Jesus hadn't spoken the truth of God, notice he mentions words here first, if he's not speaking the truth of God to them, and then he moves on to the works. He says, if he did not do the works of God, that is the miracles that we've seen in the Gospel of John, and you can look elsewhere in the other Gospels for evidence of that. If Jesus had not come and spoke the truth, And then if he didn't evidence the truth through the miracles as proof that he is the Messiah, this world would not be guilty of sin. Now, wait a second. Whoa, 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 whoa. What is he talking about here? Let's get some clarity. He's not saying that the world would be sinless. All right? Romans 3.23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All right? Romans 3.10 and 11. None is righteous. No, not one. No one would seek God. We're all enemies of God. 
Okay, Romans 5.12, just as sin came into the world through one man. Okay, it's the doctrine of total depravity. Yes, he's not saying they would be sinless. Rather, he's speaking of a specific sin here. All right, he says, rather, they wouldn't have been guilty of the specific sin or the central sin with which all other sins come out of, which is the deliberate rejection of him. The willful, deliberate rejection of him, of God's revelation to the world, the deliberate rejection of God's grace, the deliberate rejection of God's gift of salvation, and they would not have been guilty of making the deliberate decision to choose darkness and sin and rebellion against God over receiving him and living in his light, the truth of God. But Jesus says because he did come and because he did show them the truth, they are now without excuse for rejecting him. Listen, if you're here, you've never confessed Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, and you're like, oh, maybe uh, things will work out okay. Listen, you are without excuse because Jesus has told us the truth. Jesus has shown us the truth. And he showed us our sin and our need for him. And yet the world has turned on him, rejected him, and hated him for it. You see, today, this is the picture of our world increasingly. You see that, loved ones? There's an increasing detesting and rejecting and hating of Jesus and his church. And this is why the Apostle John, writing later on in his book of 1 John, chapter 3, verse 13, he says, do not be surprised, Christian. Do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. Do not be surprised when unbelievers, this world, doesn't act like Christians. Do not be surprised when people don't want to be around you. Do not be surprised when they mock you, when you claim the name of Christ. Don't be surprised when you lose out on an opportunity that is given to someone else strictly because you were a Christian and they were not. Do not be surprised when people slander you. Do not be surprised when entire nations pass legislation that could seriously limit the ability to preach or live out the whole counsel of God without serious consequences, including jail. Do not be surprised when this comes. He says, don't be caught off guard. Don't stumble. Don't let it hinder your walk with the Lord, loved one. Don't let it hinder you from abiding in his love for you. Hey, loved one, here's why Jesus is telling the disciples, he's telling us today, trust in him. Do not be surprised. Trust in him. He's foreseen it. He knows it. He knows it's going to happen. He's over it. The world will not love you as its own if you follow him. The world won't love you. You won't blend in. You're distinct. 
He's chosen you out of the world. This world is not your home. It will not love you. It will not accept you. It will not agree with you. It will not affirm you in your beliefs. Here's what it will do, though. It will oppose you because it hates Jesus. It rejects Jesus. It will reject you. Stop attempting to fit in. Stop attempting to be one of the world, Christian. To be loved by and gain the affection of the world. It won't love you. Jesus is saying right here, it will not love you. It can't love you because it's rejecting him. And as an overflow, it's rejecting you as his disciple because you are a part of him. You and I, as Christians, are his body. That's a sobering word, right? But hear the truth today. Opposition to Christ is always and ever has been under the sovereignty of Christ. Will you trust him? And you may be filled with fear right now, thinking about that. What does that mean for my kids? What does that mean for, for us as parents? What does that mean for me and my job, and my position, and my schooling, and all that? Will you trust him? Will I? And you may say, well, I, I want to trust him. I'm afraid. I get anxious. My heart is troubled. But how do I trust him in the face of opposition? What is the blueprint that Jesus has given us to stand firm in the face of opposition? I'm afraid, I'm daunted, and I'm tempted to compromise. I'm tempted to compromise in sharing my faith when he gives an opportunity to a co-worker. I'm tempted to compromise to keep my job. What's my family going to live on? And remember Matthew 6.33, we prayed it off the start where Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be out of you. I will provide for you, child. I will provide, but will you trust me? And we see three ways right from this text. I love it. Right from this text, three ways that Jesus tells us to trust him if, and stand firm. Here's the blueprint. Ready? Get your pens ready. Number one, if we are to stand firm in the face of opposition, we must trust his work. What's his work? That he chose you. If you are saved in Jesus Christ, it means he chose you. Verse 19, notice what he says there. I chose you out of the world. What a statement. Awesome. Let that fill you with confidence today. It means Jesus sovereignly chose you and called you to himself. Jesus chose you before you were even born. He knew what he wanted to do. He knew he was going to choose you and then appoint you to go bear fruit even before you were even a thought in anyone else's mind. Jesus was thinking of you. He chose you out of his infinite love for you. And he's never, here's the, here's the great news. He's never second-guessed that choice. Praise the Lord. That's good news for me in my life. Jesus has never second-guessed his choice to choose you and call you out of the world into himself. And here's what this means. Let's live with the eternal perspective. You ready? If we're going to stand firm in the face of opposition, we need to understand that our future is secure with him. 
He chose us. It means our future is secure with him in heaven for eternity. Remember John 14, 1 and 2. Go back. He says, do not let your heart be troubled, disciples. And then what does he tell them? He says, I prepared a place for you. There is the promise of heaven waiting for you. Awesome. Loved ones, let's live with the eternal perspective. Our future is secure. Nothing can strip it. There is an eternal inheritance. The fact that Jesus chose you means that you are no longer a citizen of this dying world. You are a citizen of heaven. Amen? You are a citizen. And you and I as Christians are just passing through this world. This world is not our home Praise the Lord. And we cannot be snatched, John 10 says. Nothing can snatch us from his hand. No trials, no tribulation, no opposition, no persecution. We are secure. Jesus will complete his work and he will sustain, as 1 Corinthians says, he will sustain you and I to the end. Nothing can stop it. Amen? And he will provide for every need that you have. And here's what it means, that Jesus chose you. You know what that means? You and I are his responsibility. Awesome. The fact of the truth of the doctrine of election, that Jesus has chosen you and I as Christians, and every other Christian that has come to him or will come to him, means this, that we are his responsibility. He will provide for our needs. He will take care of what he needs to take care of because he is a good father and will always protect and provide for his children. Amen. You be encouraged with that today. If we're going to stand firm in the face of office, we got to remember Christ's work that he chose us and we are his. And remember this, loved ones. Here's what this means. Anything done to you or I, anything done to you or I for the sake of Christ in this world, it pales. It absolutely pales in comparison to the glory that is waiting for us in the next world. Amen? In heaven with him for eternity. Trust him, loved one. Trust him. Maybe even right now you just need to pause this and say, Lord, help me to trust you. My heart is troubled with the thought of being opposed, with the thought of trials and tribulation and persecution. Lord, my heart is troubled, but trust him today, loved ones. Live with eyes on him, eternal perspective, seeking first his kingdom, setting your mind on things above, because I promise you, I can promise you this based on the authority of God's word, and it is this, you be encouraged. When you stand before Jesus, when I stand before Jesus, and we we look into his beautiful face, his glorious face, his all-powerful face, his loving face, you and I will regret nothing that we have lost for his sake. He says, well done. Well done. Good and faithful servant. We will regret nothing. chose you. Trust his work. Trust his work. Hey, friend, are you living in the reality of that truth that you are chosen? 
If you are saved in him, it means you are chosen. Are you living with that eternal perspective? Oh, Lord, help us. Amen? Help us to live in light of this truth. And from the overflow of this, the second way we must trust him, we've got to first trust, trust his work that he chose us, but then, look, trust him means trusting his word, that he guides you, that he guides you. And I love verse 20. Notice what Jesus commands in verse 20, right out of the gate. He says, remember the word that I said to you. Oh, Lord, help us to remember your word. Amen. He says, remember the word. That, that means call it to mind. Recall it. Bring it into that situation. All times, all things, no matter what you're facing, remember the word that I said to you. You know what he means here? Here it is. No surprise. John 15. Abide in him. Remain in him. To remain in him means we are actively choosing to remember the word that he said to us. His word, as Psalm 119 says, is a lamp to our feet. It is a light to our path. And it is the only, hear this Christian, it is the only safe guide that leads to life in this dark world. Right here. The lamp to our feet, the light to our path. The only safe guide. He says, remember the word I said to you, let Christian, here, here, if we're going to stand firm, here's what this means. We need to be letting his word feed us with his truth every day, moment by moment, not just five minutes in a day, but if we're going to stand firm, moment by moment, let his word feed you with his truth. Let his word guide you with his wisdom. Wisdom for every situation we face is right here. The lamp to our feet, the light to our path. Let his word, remember his word, memorize it, store it up. Let it guide you with his wisdom. Let his word sustain you with his grace. As you read testimony after testimony, truth after truth, evidence of evidence, promise after promise of God's Grace, let it sustain you, the living and active word. Let his living and active word renew you in his love, in his joy. Let it renew you in the joy daily that your joy may be full. Remember John 15, 11, increasingly as we walk in obedience, let his living and active word remind you of his faithfulness. Man, God was faithful then. He will be faithful now. Amen. He will be faithful. Now let his living and active word as you remember as it is spoken. Let his living and active word bolster your hope and confidence in these dark days. Oh, loved one, abide. Abide in him. Remember the word. Let his living and active word anchor you in his promises moment by moment. That you may stand firm in him at all times. And in all things, hey, loved one, remember the word that he has spoken to you. Are you remembering the word? Where, what are you facing right now that you are refusing to remember God's word? We would never admit that with our mouths, but our lives show that. Where are we refusing to remember the word he has spoken? 
Loved ones, we need to abide. If we are to stand firm, this is why persecution, this section on opposition and tribulation comes after abiding. Because abiding has to come first if we are going to stand firm in his power in us. Amen? Where are we refusing to abide? Loved ones, abide. Remember the word. Where do you need to remember that today? Trust him. Yes, Lord. First way, we need to trust him if we're going to stand firm. Number one, we need to trust in his work that he chose you. If you are saved, it means he chose you. Secondly, we need to trust his word that he guides you. He will guide you. Remember it. And then the third way we see right here at verse 25, we need to trust his purpose. We need to trust his purpose that he will always fulfill it. Look at verse 25. Let's read it right here. Verse 25. But the word that is written in their law must be fulfilled. They hated me without cause. Notice this. Don't miss this. One little verse shows so much hope right here. Jesus is quoting from their law. What does he say? Their law. Remember context. The world he's speaking of is the religious leaders. He knew the religious leaders knew the Old Testament, okay, really well. And he's quoting right here out of Psalm 35, 19. Again, we see another picture of how Jesus, all of the Old Testament points to him. That's good biblical theology, seeing how it all points to Christ. And specifically here, Psalm 35, 19. This is a Psalm of David. And David is calling out to God in the face of persecution from God's enemies. And why were they persecuting him? Why were they opposing him? No good reason. And no good reason. And he's calling on the Lord to deliver him. They hate him because he is God's. He is God's. And so Jesus, notice what he does in quoting this verse right here. Jesus, in a declaration of his sovereignty, in his power and authority over all things, including his authority and power over all the opposition that is against him, Jesus says that all of the opposition of the world, notice this, is actually being used by him. <laughs> Praise the Lord. All of the opposition of the world is actually being used by him to fulfill and accomplish his plans and purposes. His plan of salvation, his plan of redemption, and his plan of building his kingdom here on earth for his glory, for our good, out of his great love for us. Awesome. Loved one, rest in his sovereignty today. You know, here he is fulfilling a word that was spoken hundreds of years earlier from the psalmist, and Jesus will always fulfill his purpose today, continually. See, here's the truth we need to understand. You'll see it on the screen. The world will hate Jesus. The world will hate Jesus. But ready for this truth? They can't stop Jesus. The world will hate Jesus, but they can't stop Jesus. They couldn't stop him then. They can't stop him now. Amen? And what Satan will use to try to destroy your faith and mine, Jesus says, I will use to strengthen your faith. Amen? What Satan will use to try to destroy it, Jesus says, I will use to strengthen it. But the question is, will you trust him? 
Opposition to Christ is under the sovereignty of Christ, but will you trust him? Will you trust him? Will you trust his work, his word, and his purpose? See, when you follow Jesus, opposition will come. Stand firm, loved one. Stand firm. Don't be surprised. It's going to happen. Jesus promised it right here. Don't be surprised. Trust him. And as an overflow of this, he doesn't just say, don't be surprised, trust me. He says, in light of this, he says, don't be afraid, proclaim me. Proclaim me. See, the power of Christ is given to witness for Christ. The power of Christ is given to witness for Christ. Will you proclaim him? Let's read verse 26 and 27. It says this, But when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. And you also will bear witness because you've been with me from the beginning. See what Jesus does there? Jesus now encourages his disciples. He encourages disciples by promising that to them and us today that though they will face opposition and persecution from the world, notice what he's going to do? He's going to send some serious reinforcements here. Notice this. He's going to send them from heaven, from the Father, from the very throne room. What's he going to send? A supernatural helper. Who is the helper? Circle helper there. This is the Holy Spirit. This is the Spirit of truth. Okay? The, the Greek word here means parakletos. Parakletos, which means the Spirit called to one's aid. Isn't that comforting? Called to one's aid as an advocate, as a counselor, as an intercessor, as a comforter. That's who's on the way. That's who lives in us. If we are saved, praise the Lord. See, Jesus will send the power and presence of God to dwell in the heart of the believer. Awesome. He will send God's power. He will send God's presence. And what's the purpose of this? To live in them. The Spirit will come and live in us and empower us to be his witnesses. Amen? And proclaiming the truth of God the truth of the gospel, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, because no one can stop him, it will overcome any opposition they face where they would want to shrink back and not declare it. Praise the Lord. And he goes on to unpack this in chapter 16 a little bit. Can't wait for that. But don't miss what Jesus says. He says, just as the Spirit will bear witness about me, here it is, you will too. Do you see that? He says, you will too. Verse 27, as you proclaim the truth of the gospel from all that you have heard and seen since you've been with me from the beginning of my ministry. Remember, he chose the disciples. All that you've heard and seen. Don't fear, disciple. Do not fear, Christian. Your helper is coming and will be with you. Proclaim the truth. Here's what Jesus says to disciples. The helper's coming. Proclaim the truth. And for us today... The helper is here. Praise the Lord. And so what does this look like to be bearing witness for Jesus? Well, 
He tells us in Matthew 10, you'll see it on the screen, verses 16 and 19 to 20. He says this, here's what it looks like. Behold, I am sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. There it is. Don't be surprised when the world doesn't accept you. What do sheep have in common with wolves? He says, so be wise as serpents. That means be abiding in me, remembering my word, trusting in me, put, seek first me, not first this world. Be wise in how you live and innocent that as doves. That means living a gospel righteousness in your life, integrity above reproach. And then after explaining the opposition that will come, they will be dragged in front of rulers and authorities. He goes on to say this, do not be anxious. In spite of all the tribulation, in spite of all the opposition, do not be anxious. What a word. Do not be anxious how you are to speak or what you are to say. Isn't that comforting? Be comforted. How many times do we get in a situation where someone asks about a faith, we're like, I don't know what to say. I'm not going to share my faith. Or, or there's opposition or mocking or something, and we don't know. And we just compromise because we don't know what to say. He says, don't be anxious. Have faith. Trust in me. I, For what you are to say, here's a promise, circle this, will be given to you. Put that in your pocket. Put it on your phone. Take it to work with you. Into your relationships. Listen, what you are to say will be given to you. That's a promise in that hour. That means in that moment in your classroom, in that moment on your sports team, in that moment in your family, in that moment on the street, what you need to say will be given you. Why? Because it's the spirit bearing witness through supernatural power in you and through you. For it is not, here it is, you who speak, but the spirit of your father. That is the spirit sent by God the father speaking through divine power. Don't be afraid. Proclaim him. And you look around today and let's just acknowledge it. Yes. Yes. Opposition's increasing. Right? Opposition increasing all around us. But you know what else is increasing around us, loved ones? Hopelessness. Despair. Pain. Suffering. Death. Yes, opposition's increasing. And yes, it's not comfortable to live the life that Jesus has called us to in his power. Yes, there is a cost, a high cost. Yes, the world will hate you. Yes, you will be tempted to fear. Yes, you will be tempted with a, to be anxious. And you will be tempted to doubt God's word, not trust in him. You will be tempted to doubt his promises and to doubt his power and presence in you, just like the disciples would be shortly. But loved ones, I want to encourage us with this today. Stand firm. This is not a time for fear. This is a time for faith based on the truth of God's word, the promise of our Messiah. And I encourage you with this. Ready? Here's the truth. Ready? Jesus wins. Jesus wins. Notice what he says, John 16, 33. He says this, I have said these things to you 
in me, not in this world, not in your own strength, not in running to other things for your refuge, comfort, and security. In me, you may have peace, right in the midst of opposition. There's peace. There's his presence. There's his power. He says, in the world, you will, there it is again, the promise, you will have tribulation. Don't be surprised. But take heart. I know that's coming. And take heart. I have overcome the world. I've already overcome everything you will face for my name's sake. Here's why this is so important to remember. As A.W. Tozer said it right here, you'll see it on the screen. A scared world, church, needs a fearless church. A scared world needs a fearless church. This is not a time for fear, loved ones. Hope Ottawa, this is a time for faith. See, the power of Christ is given to witness for Christ. Will you proclaim it? Will you proclaim him in your classrooms, in your neighborhoods, in your workplace, in your families, at the grocery store, on your sports teams, wherever and whenever God opens the opportunity to do so? Are you willing? Here, here this, is, this is a gut check time. Ready? Heart check time. Here it is. Are you willing to suffer for his name? It's one thing to say, oh yeah, I'm totally all in for Jesus. And then when it comes, push comes to shove, you're like, no, I'm going to compromise. I back down. Just ask him, Lord, am I willing to suffer for you? Am I willing to suffer for your name socially? Take up my cross, count the cost financially, relationally. So that I can live with a God-given urgency to proclaim to the lost world that there is no other name under heaven by which we must be saved other than the name of Jesus Christ. To proclaim to my neighbors, to proclaim to this world that Jesus is the Son of God and the Messiah. That he came to earth as fully God and fully man. That he lived a perfect life and died on the cross to pay the penalty for my sin and the sin of of this world, which ultimately the worst end of it is death and separation from God in hell for eternity. Will I proclaim it that he rose again three days later, defeating sin and death, and now he offers forgiveness and eternal life to all who call on his name? Would you live with that God-given urgency? What a day! This is not a time for fear. This is a time for faith, loved ones. Time for faith. And if you're here and you've never confessed Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you have just heard the gospel, the glorious, most glorious truth of all time. And the Bible is so clear. It says, today, when you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. And today will be the day of your salvation. You too can live with peace in this day. You too can live with hope. You too can have eternal life and forgiveness of sins. But will you repent of your sin and call on Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And if that's you today, and you're like, I've made that decision, I want to email whole praise. We as elders want to know that we can be praying for you and caring for you this week. Praise the Lord. 
And brothers and sisters in Christ, here's our final challenge today. Will you proclaim him? There it is. Will you proclaim him? And you may say this, and I understand, I'm scared. I'm scared. What's it going to mean for my family? What's it going to mean for my degree? What's it going to mean? Hey, I just want to encourage you to take this next step right there, if that's you. Get before the Lord today in humility. Just submit before the Lord. And in faith, pray, Jesus, I know that as I follow you, opposition will come. I can't blend in with this world and still call myself a Christ follower. It's not going to happen. You've made that clear. You've chose me out of the world. Will you please increase my faith in you? In your power, in your promises, and increase my love for the lost and help me live with a God-given, gospel-driven urgency to proclaim your name, to stand firm in the face of opposition, not being surprised by it, by trusting in you, your work in choosing me, your word in remembering it, and your purpose that you will fulfill it in your sovereignty. And would you give me faith to stand firm and not being afraid by the opposition, but proclaiming you in it with your divine power you have given me. Whatever the cost, to whatever the end, that you may save some. Let that be your prayer, because here's the truth. Loved ones, he who called you is faithful, and he will do it. Let's pray. Jesus Christ, this is a a challenging word today. We need you. We need you because apart from you, we can do nothing, and that includes standing firm in our faith to the end. Oh, Lord, would you come and minister to our hearts today with your comfort, with your conviction, with your challenge and your strength that we would live with that gospel-given urgency to proclaim to this lost and hurting world, even in the face of increasing opposition, that we are yours and that only Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but through him. Strengthen us, Lord, we pray, and unify us by your Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Loved ones, will you stand and respond with us in worship today?